Yes, enjoy wrestling in Pittsburgh. Oof, five days away from when this episode drops, I believe. Oh, not even four days away. I will be back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with Glitterati members M. Fear and Don. That's it. Everybody else is stranded. Jackie's in the state of Pennsylvania. Can't make it. Come on. I'm driving seven hours. Well, I'm, I'm riding shotgun for seven hours when my wife drives, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Jackie's not exactly close either. Um, and Jackie goes to a lot of wrestling out in the woods in that region of Pennsylvania. But more importantly, most importantly, I am so pleased. The city of Pittsburgh is so pleased to welcome back Toronto's best boy, Harley R. Paget, and his lovely, lovely spouse, Monica. I'm sorry, not Harley R. Paget, Harley R. Vasquez. Get it with the times, Emily. Your new man. You know, when you were here, when you were here in December, I don't think you had changed your last name yet. Not legally. Spiritually in my head I had, but I hadn't announced it to anybody. And I was waiting for the paperwork from the government. Yeah. So new person re-entering the United States this time around. New passport, everything. All well, polished up, ready hey, to go. Hey, don't look shifty. I don't get stopped. And in the main event, Edith Surreal defends the Enjoy Championship against Sue Young. So Sue Young is back. Post baby, back in the Indies, back wrestling, which has me very curious as we go into this week's episode of Grid and Glitter podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling talking about impact wrestling Sue young's former current future home promotion yeah i don't i don't know where the speculation is on that at this point mayday maybe you have a little bit more of a key line into the gossip like uh, any word any like inkling of when if will they be bringing Sue young back into the fold from what i have heard uh, or more distinctly, what I have not heard, there are zero plans to bring her back to Impact, which sucks because she belongs there. She was awesome there. Oh, hmm. weird. And she's listed on the roster page on their official website still. But then, like, so is Tasha Steeles. So it's I don't know how often. I mean, it's updated enough that Trinity is is on there. Yeah, well, Tasha Steeles is back. Is she back full time? She hasn't. She hasn't been around the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. She had a big, long leave of absence and then came back. But then I think she left again. <laughs> oh, Tasha. I don't, I mean, I, I get impact seems to make it, aside from, you know, specific cases, it does seem to be fairly reasonable to, like, come and go from impact if you've got opportunities elsewhere. Um, but I don't know for some of these wrestlers, men and women, everybody on the roster impact is about as good as they're getting as far as like consistent booking time, attention, et cetera. So aside from like money and a higher profile promotion, uh, it always, it's a little confusing to me when, when people leave, if they've got a really good thing going, which Tasha Steele absolutely has and does. Uh, she left originally, for like mental health reasons so that might be why she's taking another leave of absence i i I don't know why she hasn't been on recently i know that was the reason for her initial sabbatical okay well that's a yeah that's a horse of a different color then because um you know obviously there's a all number of reasons to to back out of a job when your personal health is at stake 
but like then there's just like cases where like people leave impact and try their hand at like marginal work in other promotions and inevitably just come on right back i mean kaz just came back from aw and he's he's stuck around since then um they they tend to have a pretty open door policy i mean as long as you didn't set anyone on fire on the way out um yeah, I mean, they pretty much welcome people back. I mean, Nick Aldis came back after like a decade. True, true. I, I will say if you leave Impact, make your name somewhere else, and then come back to Impact, um, a lot of times they will keep the name you made. Like Jade left, made her name, and then Mia Yim came back. Magnus left, made his name elsewhere, and Nick Aldis came back. Like, they don't force him back into their old character. Laurel Van Ness left, and Chelsea Green came back, you know? Yeah. They acknowledge them as the same person, but they don't try to force them back into, you know, usually a decade-old gimmick. I deeply appreciate that about about Impact. Really, it cannot be overstated how, like, how nice it is that a wrestler can evolve and come back to that promotion and not have to be, like, stuck. 10 years behind or five years or however long it was that well, they had. You know, Emma left WWE to Neil made her name elsewhere, made a big old thing. And then Emma came back. So, and I don't even know any, anything about what's going on with her there because I just, I, yeah. I had to give up on Neil Dashwood. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that. They'll let him keep their new modern, whatever, gimmick name shtick like they don't again they don't force them back into an old gimmick they they allow them to grow or in the case of uh courtney rush allow you to grow into the old gimmick true uh, <laughs> i don't think i don't think courtney rush has ever been on impact until you know a week or so ago or whenever she re-debuted i don't think she was i think she showed up in impact initially as rosemary Let's dive into Against All Odds, because while we're talking about returns, the show kicked off with a knockout returning. Yes, it did. Uh, Nevaeh, speaking of welcoming back with open arms, open door policy, um, Nevaeh came back. Um, s- pretty unannounced, no, like, get ready for a big return. She's just like, oh, shit, she's back. There she is. Hi. Like, Yeah, I really kind of appreciated that. And I also appreciate the fact that she's getting this, like, you know, highlighted like free match against Taylor Wy- or against um, Kylan King um, in her like home state. So like, I don't know, it's a, it's a nice way to reintroduce someone after two years of absence. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was, it, it was not. However, in retrospect, it should have been a little telegraphed because Jake Christ came back and they're married and they're in Ohio. And like, oh. you'd think it would have been like, Oh, of course she's back, which was, my initial reaction of like, hey, oh, it's Nevaeh. Oh, we haven't. Oh, no, that makes sense. Like there was like a little roller coaster. <laughs> um, but time will tell if she's back back or if it was just a one off because they were in Ohio. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I 
I didn't feel like there was anything in this match that led me to believe that there's an ongoing story there in this particular realm. So, like, it could have been a one-off. Yeah, like, within the context of this show, she was just a body for Kylan to beat up. Yeah. Yeah, that was my big question mark coming out of this. But, so she... Nevaeh left Impact April 2021, so just over two years ago. Wow. She did one appearance on AEW Dark, putting over Hikaru Shida in the fall of 2021. Then she appeared at the, what is to date, the last two Shimmer tapings, where she actually won the Heart of Shimmer title from Haiyan and then defended it against Davian. That was almost two years ago. Shimmer hasn't run any show since then, so I guess she's still technically Heart of Shimmer champion. But she hasn't wrestled anywhere since May of last year. So this was her first match in 13 months. So I don't know if we, you know, I don't know enough about Nevaeh to know if she was like tentatively retired or just taking a, a break. The framing of this did make me think that this might just be a one-off because it's in her home state, because she lost, because it was on the pre-show, it, because it wasn't hyped up in advance. But then I don't know, because on her Twitter, she like tweeted out gifts from the show and said, I'm back, meaning like I'm back in wrestling. I'm back in impact proper. I mean, I haven't looked up any spoilers or anything, but I don't think she was at the tapings over the next you know day or two. And she could have fit nicely in. So her former partner, Jessica Havoc, has lots of stuff going on right now because her and Rosemary lost High Valkyrie. And then Rosemary transformed into Courtney Rush. And also, like, when Nevaeh left, I think she was Havoc. And now she's party girl Jessica. So Nevaeh would fit in neatly with them. And Death Dolls have effectively been feuding with the Coven, which is whom Nevaeh hooked up with in this match here. So sliding Nevaeh back into some sort of Death Dolls configuration would make a lot of sense. Yeah, now that you lay it out like that, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, but there just there wasn't are places anything. you could go. <laughs> there are absolutely places you could go. There just wasn't any indication that they were going to go those places. There wasn't anything coded in, like in, in even just like her presentation and the way she was dressed, et cetera. Like, just, just didn't seem anything to connect her really. Well, that also that's a somewhat pet peeve of mine as well. Um, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here with uh, Taylor Wilde completely reinvented herself. Like new shtick, new gimmick, new gear. And like you know, she's she's a witch. It's it's she's got the tarot cards. She's got the candles. And then Kylan King is just still Kylan King. Like zero attempts to adapt to the gimmick of any kind. It's just and also Kylan is there. Like and Kylan is wearing black. <laughs> she already wore black. Like she doesn't. So she's just not doing any extra spooky stuff. She doesn't change her gear up. She didn't dye her hair. Like, nothing. She's literally playing the exact same character, except now she's hanging out with a witch. Yeah, that that's irksome to me as well. Um, because I, I just, I feel like if you're going to be the partners of, with a witch, like, give her something. Like, with a name. Like, they're the coven. Like, they that, they have an established thing. And yet, Kylan is just still Kylan. I mean, Courtney Rush and uh, Jessica day one immediately had matching gear and like a whole shtick and like, like they went in on it. And then, yeah, I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I mean, in Kylan's defense, there are often like friendships like this, right? Like 
two guys bonded over their love of football. One guy always wearing jerseys, always wearing the foam hands. Other guy just wearing like a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, but they're not a tag team named the football lovers, and one guy's just not wearing a football jersey. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know, when you win the take titles in your first match as a team, you're like, oh, like we're good. I don't need to do. I don't need to do all that other stuff. We're already there. If it ain't broke. We're not gonna fix it. I mean, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Well, and also, are we being too narrow-minded about what witches look like? Because maybe this is just like, she's a streetwear witch, and that's that's good enough. I don't know. Taylor Wilde <laughs> is like, cartoon character witch. Oh my god, adorable. Adorable cartoon character witch. Like, definitely magical girl witch inspired. And I, every time I see it, it makes me smile. It's really just, it's so silly and, and, and good. Like, very, very good. So Kylan picks up a win over Nevea here on the, what do they call it? Not the pre-show. Countdown. Countdown. Yeah. Every, every company has a, their own name for it. It's, it's pre-show. In the buy-in. Yes. In the buy-in. In the bayou. The, the, In the, the bayou. Mine would the be called, show. mine would be called the free shit. <laughs> uh, Kylan picks up the win. One th- thing that uh, that kind of caught me off guard with commentary here was during the match commentary talked about the coven being done with death dolls yes i don't i don't watch weekly tv every week like i read the results i follow along i don't watch it every week maybe you do it does it feel like they're done with each other based on the uh, the end of like this week's television it does but i don't know where either one of them are supposed to go from here um because like they had their their rematch and the Death Dolls lost, so like that's pretty conclusive. They're now set to kind of go their separate ways, but they're also the only two teams I can think of. So like who who are they going to feud with if not each other? That comes up every time we talk about the take titles. Where it's like it's a strong roster, but there's like there are no teams. Yeah, it's just it. I I don't. <gasps> You know what? Now that understand. I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know which of those teams will feud with them. Probably the Coven because they're the champs. Um, but we'll get into it. Um, they kind of teased Masha and Kelly as a team. They absolutely did. So maybe that's the where Coven they go. Versus the Dog Pound. <laughs> so maybe that's where they go. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. them. I was looking at the roster, so. The only like the only women really on the roster who didn't appear on this show are Death Dolls, Courtney Rush and Jessica, Mickey James, who's of course injured, and Jody Threat. Now we don't really know what's going on with Jody right now either, so she could slot into a couple of different spots. Like she could move into a feud with Kelly or Masha very easily. Or she could potentially same thing, like those three, those three click really nicely together in terms of like personalities and energy. So you could put Jody and Killer Kelly together as a team and throw them at the coven. I'm just mostly waiting for the next chapter of Jody Threat. Like it's just all squash masters. That's all she's done so far. It's when like when Masha initially showed up. Like we get it. There's like 16 squash matches in a row. Now what? Like let's like we need something else. We don't need a 17th squash match. It's true. It's true. But once they once they broke off from that with Masha, it was a pretty quick rocket that they strapped to her. Exactly. So that's what so we're like, waiting for with Jody. Like we we get it. She squashes people. Let's what's what's next? 
Maybe what's next is, yeah, finding a partner going after those take titles because the singles knockout title is fairly tied up for the time being, it looks like. Yes. We got uh, we got the match booked for the next pay-per-view. It's going to be Deanna Peraza defending against Trinity. Regardless of the outcome, that doesn't feel like a one-off. That feels like a, a, a match. That feels like a, like a rivalry over that title that will continue for a couple of months, maybe all summer. I'm trying to think. They haven't actually faced each other in singles matches yet, have they, like, for the title? No, yeah, the same reversity is going to be the um, first one. So that, yeah, so that could very well be the start of, like, a trilogy match. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Trinity wins, obviously Deanna gets a rematch. Even if Deanna yeah. wins, it's, it's motherfucking Trinity. She'll probably get, an, she'll get a rematch in some way. And there's always the question of, like, will, when will Mickey James return? Because I, I very much doubt that... Uh, Mickey's just going to retire now. Like, I think she'll be back. Yeah, she's she's earned the right, so to speak, to retire on, like, a big high note show. Like, she's out, she's injured, and then there's, like, a random press release, Mickey James has retired. Like, no, that's not how Mickey fucking James retires. Yeah, no, that's not that way it's going to go It's going to be a moment. It's going to have to be. I mean, after everything that they did with the last radio, with it, after exactly. that whole build, like, Mickey, I don't think Mickey James has it in her to go out like that, and I don't think it has yeah. to do her like that. I think that they will figure it out. Yeah, even they'll if it's do the, something. They'll do something. Even if it's the only wrestling match she can ever do again, it yeah. will be done. Yeah, so with those three bodies sort of circulate, not circling, circling the Knockouts Championship, for the foreseeable for the summer, probably that opens the take titles to some different conversations. I mean, slam. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I guess like slam anniversary is the July fifteenth. That's the next one. That's one of the big. Is it the, the biggest? No, Bound for Glory is the biggest. It's their second. Second. Uh, slam anniversary is like their Summer Slam. Okay, so that's a big one. Take titles will most likely be defended on the show. Maybe we even get like a, a four-way take match or something. Because Giselle, Shaw, and Savannah Evans, I don't know if you want to do them versus the Coven one-on-one, but some sort, but you know, them in some sort of multi-team match that works. A gauntlet that, match. That, yeah, that could work. Um, I'm trying to think if they have a name. I don't think they do. I think they're just Giselle, Shaw, and Savannah Evans. But that also speaks to the fact that that team versus the Coven doesn't really feel like a, like that feels like a, a gimme for the coven if it was a multi-team match i could see them slotted in there but just them two as the challengers they don't feel like a credible threat to the coven yeah but i i think we i, I think we've hit it though i feel like there are challengers coming i think we saw them at the end of their very brutal match i i definitely like that would be a fun team to follow I, I'm, I'm down for it because I think they established with this match that these two women have compatible levels of brute violence and thirst for blood. And that's gonna, that's a fun thing to play off of in a tag division. It is. It could, it could be really, really galvanizing if they could utilize that. I'm, I'm about to date myself here, but it reminds me of, uh, the Mighty Ducks with the Bash Brothers. <laughs> where they're just, they they complement each other perfectly, and they just they're the Bash Brothers. They just start causing chaos together now instead of against each other. 
Uh, shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Bridget Clark, uh, who has hopefully listened. Is pro- no, is definitely not listening, but should be listening because that is a Bash Brothers reference, and I know that she appreciates those. <laughs> yes, a, y- a pre daredevil Foggy Nelson as one half yes. of the Bash Bros. Fulton Reed. <laughs> God, I love Fulton Reed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our second knockouts match on the show was Masha Slamovich, Killer Kelly, in a dog collar match. They have uh, they have collars on. They're connected by long chain. Happy Pride, folks. Happy Pride. <laughs> um, I, Harley? Yeah. Mayday? Can you guess if this is supremely my shit? <laughs> because this, is, this match was supremely my shit. <laughs> I just want to say off the top, the one thing that, that maybe what I appreciated the most out of this was it was just a dog collar match. So many times in WB they'll announce like a ladder match, and then the ladder match will still involve chairs and tables and kendo sticks and different things like that. There's none of that here. There wasn't like a dog collar getting whipped into a chair or going through a table or bouncing off the announce table. They went with like the chain is our weapon, and that's all we need. The chain is our weapon. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And it was, the chain is our weapon, and also, both of these women are really into it. And that is a really fun energy in this match. Look, I, I don't want to be accused of being horny on Maine here, but I'm going <laughs> to say that this was the horniest dog collar match I've seen. More... More so than Cody? More so than Cody. <laughs> the, wow. the man, the living Ken doll with like zero sexual energy. Unless he's, unless he's heel. And then he has. Oh yeah. Like, and then, then he's like then kissing he's, Ibushi. And then he's just like ve- venomously like, like, yes, absolutely sexual. Um, no, this was, um, this was a really fun match uh, because of how straightforward both of these competitors made it. It was about using the chain. It was about using the like the tether the tethered quality. It was about using the connected quality between these two wrestlers that like they are both in this and into it um, to the highest of degree. There's a reason why like Kelly is playing this like this excitement throughout the whole thing. There is an exhilaration in both of these performances here that like leads me to believe, especially with the like finish and the you know the post-match, like, show of respect, I believe that this is the start of their of their tag team because I do think that, like, they showed just how compatible they are while, like, just killing the fucking shit out of each other. Excuse my language, but my God. I, I did have one huge glaring problem with this match, and it bugged the shit out of me the entire match. Oh, is no. Okay. The crowd did not seem to give a shit. And I was I was kind of pissed off. Like the, it was like pin drop quiet at certain points. That was mystifying. I I do not understand it, and I'm very uh, upset and angry at at the I don't forget where in Ohio they are, whatever crowd that was, because like these pe- these women are beating the fuck out of each other, and there is just deafening silence. Like what the fuck? Yeah, my only my only wonder, and I I can't I this is just wishful thinking, is maybe it was one of those rare moments where the crowd is just so into it they're not 
in they're not sounding into it i don't think it was my only theory is they might have been burnt out from the match before because it was a tag team heavy flippy weapons crazy match but like they were i I was wondering like is it a mic issue like is the crowd not mic'd correctly but then later on the show i mean they came alive again so i i do not understand but i i was like what the fuck but the match i mean that's that's nothing on Masha and Kelly, but like that was, if you watch the match back, it's, it's like an empty arena match. Yeah. I mean, I got, I actually just by um, requirement had to watch half of this match um, muted. So I didn't get some of the commentary obviously, but like, I also didn't get that part of it, which is helpful because if you don't have that, that as a factor, there is nothing wrong with this match at all. Yeah, well, the, like the match itself is great. Like you said, it was brutal as shit. But oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Everything in this, um, the like the hanging portion, the the use of the like of wrapping the chain around the neck to to oh my god the um just the little final tug sequence. of war in the corner. Oh god, right in front of our teammate Don. <laughs> <laughs> Don was sitting right in right. Prime in the middle of the tug of war sequence with that with their non-binary flag draped over the guardrail. That's right. Our our um, our Clitorati member Don and also um, front of the show Laz were both there in person. So if you have questions about if Beta, if you have questions about the the crowd reaction, uh, reach out to them because that's good, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I'll see what they say. Because, like, I'm curious about that because Don would be the first person to mention to me if the match had gotten a cold crowd reaction and they didn't. So I, maybe they, they, they were doing a lot in Columbus this weekend. So it's possible that that just wasn't the top thing that they were going to report back on. But like, I'd be a little surprised if, if it was that cold in the room and Don didn't mention it. So maybe there was something else. I thought did the lack of blood um, affect this match in any way for you? Did it bring it down a notch? Especially um, considering last week on the podcast, you and Don were talking about Masha in like cage matches and death matches. I would say definitely yes. When they both came out to the ring and they're both wearing white, my immediate thought was, shit's about to get bloody, that's why they're wearing white. Like that That's what wearing white is in like crazy gimmick matches means is we're about to bleed. Um, and then they just didn't. Um, and the only thing I can think of is they might've had an edict to not bleed so that the Ohio street fight could be special with their blood. Yeah. And I mean, I'm all for blood, 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 but I actually kind of love that there wasn't blood in this because uh, I feel like it wasn't necessary. And I also think that, when we are talking about like the type of violence that they are inflicting, it's bruising, it's choking, it's suffocation. It's, That's fair. It's like, it's not cutting. They're not, it's not even like table shards. We're talking about just, just collars and chain and that kind of violence. The fact that it is so visceral doesn't require blood to translate. So it didn't bother me. I actually kind of, I kind of loved that it didn't have a lot of, it didn't have that, the color. Like I, I, I also, like you made a, I saw the gear and I'm like, oh yeah, they're going to be blood streaked. And given the makeup choices and everything and the styling choices, I just figured, you know, both of these women are walking out of here covered. Yeah, and like it seemed like it was telegraphed a mile away that they're going to be a bloody mess by the end of it. And then they just weren't. 
And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of fine with that because like chains don't necessarily break skin, but chains will bruise the fuck out of you. So like, that's what I wanted to see in this. I wanted to see the reality. This match felt really real, you know, in that way. To the forehead will, will break the skin. That's true. That's true. But that was, it wasn't, it wasn't about the impact. Like this comes down to the fact that it's this, it's this match that's based around these collars and chain. Everything else that is used is, is part of the set dressing, but like, because of the way this is stripped down, because of the way this was focused so much on the specific, like, you know, weapon of choice, this dog collar and chain, like, I really liked that it was it focused on the damage of that and not on things like cutting yourself on the ring post. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I tend to believe that, like, less is more in some cases. And because even if there was an edict that, like, they needed to, like, keep the blood to a minimum because of the, of the things that were coming up in the card... I think that's okay. Sometimes simplicity simplicity is best. And honestly, I'm getting a little tired of color always being the thing that people reach to. I I like blood in my matches. I love blood in my women's wrestling, but I don't need it to make something seem brutal. Yeah, we have seen that with some of like the AEW women. It's like the only time the AEW women get to main event TV is if they're busting each other open. It's like the oh the women have to do that in order to like earn the right to do what the men do every single week and yeah like you said choking each other was really like the the theme of this match i'm looking at my notes from like the big spots and it's like masha chokes kelly with the chain masha rakes the chain across kelly's face kelly ties her around the post and chokes masha while masha bites her <laughs> Mhm. a lot of choking and then in the end masha gets the chain around kelly's throat again and hits the snowplow for the win yeah, and it's, like, really tight on her throat at that point, right? Because there's very little, like, like leeway with the chain at that point. It's, like, yeah. mostly wrapped around Kelly. It's it's really good. I, I have to say, um, I'm highly critical of a lot of gimmick matches for what I think that they, they kind of strain the suspension of disbelief that the audience has to do and um, forces the wrestlers to behave in ways that are, like, not smart wrestling suddenly everyone Um, forgets how to climb a ladder exactly suddenly everyone forgets how to climb a ladder um but i think dog color matches might be my thing (laughs) i think i might really like it because i i I think that there's something so better not awaken anything in me i know Hmm. no i i don't think it's awakening anything personal but i do think it's awakening like a, a general um appreciation for this particular gimmick match um, and so thank you, Masha and Kelly, because I did not really think about it before this. And now I'm thinking, like, I think I've enjoyed every dog collar match I've ever watched, even the ones that are, like, kind of lackluster. I just really like the form. I like the idea of, like, you were tethered to your opponent using, you know, leather and chain. And anything else that happens in between there is, like, you have to take your opponent with you, essentially. I really, I love that. It's the same kind of mentality with the cage match. of like, no matter what. There's only so far you can go. I, I definitely liked uh, the post-match. Like, they kind of earned each other's respect in the weird, violent way that they're both going to do that. Um, and they were both kind of smiling by the end. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I think I think we have a – we're on the cusp of a new new story, a love story. <laughs> Masha picks up the win, gives Kelly her approval, but it's not like – 
thank God. They don't hug. And it's not even like a, a warm handshake or anything. It's just like a very slight, like, okay, like you've begrudgingly earned my they respect. They come to an understanding with each other. Yes. Doesn't she like Simba her? Where she just like, she like, yeah, she like puts her like, on the like, like, forehead? She like, she yeah. like smears something on her forehead. Yeah, and then she just sort of leaves. And then she's up on the ramp smiling, and Kelly's in the middle of the ring smiling back. Kelly's in the middle of the ring smiling back like she just had, like, the best moments of her life. Yeah. And I won't go into any more details on that because I do not want to get busted by the horny police. So I'm just <laughs> saying. Back to my original point about this match. It was erotic as heck. So Masha and Kelly form a new tag team where they wrestle every tag match with the dog collars on each other. Oh my God. <laughs> they Or they just, like, they just have the collars they just have the collars on. Like, no chain, just the collars on. Just as, like, a little memento. Oh, my God. It's like a power emblem. They're just like, they have it. They have their, their, their source of power. This is why I don't book a promotion. Oh, uh, well, one of the three of us does book a promotion and does book Masha Slamovich herself. So uh, we, know, we, know, we know who to talk to to make this happen. Make it happen. <laughs> I can't promise any callers. Uh, I know you and your straightforward promotion with its, like, fighting style. <laughs> These are people what they want me to. And by people, you mean you. Yes. I'm people. <laughs> True. You are people. <laughs> Our third and final knockouts match on the show. Take team action. Your knockouts yes. champion, Deanna Frazzo, teaming with the former Naomi, Trinity, to take on Giselle Shaw anniversary. and Savannah Evans, being company of the ring by Jay Vidal. This, on paper, felt, you know, arguably felt like a TV match, right? Because Giselle and Savannah have not been treated as, like, big threats. They're not, they haven't held gold in Impact. They're pest heels. A lot of the time, especially with Jay at ringside. So I went into this being very, like, expecting to just kind of be like, okay, yeah, we're going through the numbers. Maybe there'll be conflict between Dion and Trinity. Maybe there won't. Baby faces stand tall. Can they the, 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 the old classic. The old chestnut. Top three wrestling memes for Mayday right behind, right below the uh, South Park as is tradition. <laughs> Hey, they stop doing it. I'll stop posting it. But I, I like this more than I expected. I was going to. I was going. To, I thought I was going to think of it as like a buffer match or just like a paint by numbers match. We strongly suspected that it was going to end with the baby faces winning and baby faces being on the same page. No, like, oh my god, you hit me by accident. How dare you? Because like, Deonis too smart for that, and Trinity's too like pure of a soul for that. Instead, what stuck out to me was one little bit of dialogue from Tom Hannafan and Matthew Raywalt on commentary. At one point, Tom asks if the babyface team should let their partner take some punishment in the ring in order to like soften them up ahead of the pay-per-view, which is sort of like a classic question. But Matthew responds and says, you know, the pay-per-view is still like three weeks away. That's plenty of time to heal up. So rather than let your partner just get their ass beat in order to soften them up, like you should go in there, you should get the pin. That's 
that's confidence. That's momentum on your side. That's making a statement. And I don't know why, but that stuck. That line just really stuck. Me. The logic of Raywald's comment of like they got three weeks to heal. Like come on, the wrestlers. That stuck out to me. I like that, and it framed the match for me in a different context, where it's like, yeah, okay, we know they're gonna win. Come on, it's, Trin- it's Trinity and Indiana. It's not about whether or not they're gonna win or lose. It's about like momentum. It's about making an impression, getting to see your partner compete up close in person. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and that also kind of works in kayfabe with Tom Hannafin asking, you know, oh, you know, like you were saying, like, maybe you should let him soften up a little bit. Meanwhile, Matthew Raywald, the guy that's been in the ring and like firsthand knows what's going on, corrects him and says, no, that's that's not how this works. You know, I thought that was a nice touch as well. Outside of that, you know, the match itself was fine. <laughs> I, I did think Deanna's hot take was like a thing of beauty. She came in and I was, that was just like a beautiful 30 seconds. That could be a highlight reel right there. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, it it Like you were saying, the ending was never in doubt. We all knew the baby faces were going to win. It was just a matter of how and would there be shenanigans and or miscommunications. Um, so to a certain extent, it kind of was a paint-by-numbers match, but it was a very, very good one. Did anyone... Um, was anyone surprised that it was Laparato who gets the win on this and not Trinity? Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. It just it made sense to me that Deanna would get the the pin because she's the champ. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if Trinity had gotten the pin, maybe that makes a statement to Deanna, mm-hmm. but. But like you were saying, she's kind of too pure of a soul to do that. If she did get the pin, it would not have been framed as she's sending a message to Dion. She would have just been like, hey, she got the win for her team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think that they kind of make up for that as far as, you know, with the post-match shenanigans and Trinity making the save there. So, like, they give both of these women essentially their, like, their winning moment. Yeah. And it, it squashes all doubt as to... You know, it's going to be a good sporting competition, you know, uh, at Slammiversary. I mean, like, neither one is going to try to underhand anything because they're, you know, Trinity came in for the save. She respects her opponent, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's she she could have just left her out there to get beat up, but she's she's not. She wants her opponent at 100 percent type deal. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, now, that's not to say Deanna can't turn around and, you know, pull sneaky heel stuff because Deona's even as a baby face Deona's always like right up against the line as to, towards heel so I never I never consider her full baby face and she's so over that like that like it's almost beside the point to, to say heel but yeah I do think that there's potential for shenanigans from Deanna um some kind of heelish stuff like maybe post their match in Slammiversary regardless of what the outcome is um, but I feel like they're both going to play it fairly clean in the lead up to it. Yeah, I would agree. The The time for shenanigans, sneaky, underhanded stuff would be either in the finish or immediately after the match is anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this wasn't like a one-sided affair. This wasn't a squash match no, by any means. No, which I... I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I was, like I said, I was expecting just kind of a paint by numbers, like 
they go over fairly simply. But no, like the, everyone got their stuff in. It was a very competitive match. Yeah, the heels aren't like cheating left and right or, you know, only getting the advantage by having the, the, the extra man on the outside or through eye rakes or classic stuff. Like the heels are wrestling a straight match up until the finish when Vidal pulls Trinity off the apron, clotheslines her, and then Deanna rolls up Savannah for the win. So even the finish, it's like, it's not Deanna planting Giselle with her pile driver and like, you know, getting the size of one, two, three. It's like a roll up. She caught her off guard because Deanna's a skilled technical wrestler as we've established. So I liked all that too. I think this was, it's going to take a bit more work, but I think this was steps toward giving Shaw and Evans more credibility as a team. Like we came into this, I came into this thinking of them as just being like mid card, like pests. And this is steps towards making them stronger top heels, especially if what we predicted earlier comes true and Masha sort of like turns into like a tweener role to team with Kelly, who are the top heels in the knockouts division? Yeah. At that point it would, it would have to be them too. Giselle, Savannah and the coven. That's it. Not only are they the top heels, they're the only heels. So, July 15th, Slammiversary, Deanna Perrazzo versus Trinity for the Knockouts Championship. The first match confirmed for the pay-per-view, which tells you how big of a deal Impact knows Trinity is, and they're treating her like a big deal. And then at the end of the pay-per-view, I think we've now established Alex Shelley versus Nick Aldis, confirmed as well? Uh, Yes. Um, because Nick Aldis won the 8-4-1 match to become uh, number one contender, and then in the main event, Shelley became new champion. So, like, by definition, that becomes the next match. But then, like, later that night, they did officially confirm it. There's a match graphic, et cetera, et cetera. So two matches booked for Slammiversary. As we saw in this, this was an Impact Plus show, um, also available on Fight and some other platforms. I always call them like half a pay-per-view. It's more than a weekly episode, but it's less than a full-on pay-per-view. Yeah, so even like a B-show like this, we had three women's matches on the card. So for Slammiversary, I'm thinking we're getting at least two or three. We'd almost have to have the Knockouts tag titles defended, like you said. Yeah, even if that's on the the Bayou match. (laughs) Well, there's, (laughs) what, a little under a month? Like three weeks, I think? Yeah, uh, from when this episode drops, one month and two days. Depending on how they play it in terms of in-ring and backstage segments, three weeks is enough time to to make Masha and Kelly a threat to the Coven. Oh, like I said, I think the Coven won the take titles in their first match as a team. So the take titles, the the knockouts take titles are not the kind of championship where you have to like win a bunch of enhancement matches and a number one contender match in order to earn a shot. It's kind of like, hey, two people? Great. <laughs> True. Time will tell as we march toward Slammiverse. We will be covering that show here on the podcast for sure because, I don't know, I think the three of us are kind of in agreement that Knockout's best uh, women's division in America. Yeah, even Bye. even with the tag division kind of in this weird position that it is um i just i i love everything that's happening with the women's division and impact i love 
the fact that like I can expect to see women regularly on their pay-per-views in um, more than one mash spot. I like that there's lots of storylines here and that that neither of these matches that were featured on the main card, none, none of these three women's matches were about a title. Um, not necessarily like, I mean, obviously with Trinity and Deanna, like there's a title at stake as an anniversary, but like everything else was just for storyline purposes. And I appreciate that they are paying attention enough to the storylines to give them highlighted matches on their half a pay-per-view. I don't, I just, yeah. Knockouts division remains like the, the must-see women's division of the major, the major promotions. Yeah. Turns out you can do women's wrestling storylines that don't revolve around the title. Go figure. You know, certain mm-hmm. other promotions could learn this. Certain all promotions can learn this. <laughs> Major promotions, little promotions, indies, everybody. I didn't, even, I didn't even really notice that till you pointed it out. None of the women's matches were like four titles. They were all storyline based. Yeah, I, I noticed that after the tag match, I was like, wait, so nothing was on the line here except for like honor and story. And yeah, that's awesome. That is that's awesome. Really, really cool. Yeah. And all the storylines were furthered, like things yeah. happened. Things moved forward. Yes. I mean, in the case of the pre-show match, not really, aside from just the fact that like. We have an understanding that like there's going to need to be bigger competition for the coven to take them on. But like, it depends on what they do with Neve. If they keep Neve around, that, that might be the the groundwork, but that's the thing we don't, yeah, Yeah. we don't, we don't know. So I, I feel like with the word being that she wasn't at the TV tapings, that this was probably a one-off. Yeah. At least for now. She comes back. Me too. I thought she did great in this match. I don't think we really like. Especially just her first match in 13 months. Jesus, I didn't realize that. Like she did great. Yeah, and especially against someone who's booked to to look as dominant as Kylan. Like she, she, they gave her time to like put in some offense, and she looked really, really strong. That's it for our show. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at GritGlitterPod. We, like, never post on Instagram, but this weekend we're going to be in Pittsburgh, hanging out with M. Fear in person, so maybe we will. That's right. Come on. From Mr. Small's Theater. Hanging out. Hanging out with my besties. Hanging out with my best best people, best folks. I'm, around I'm excited to see what my area. wife thinks of Sue Young, because... Uh, the first time, yeah, when, when we watched the last Enjoy show, I think it was, um, when they saw Maxie and Paler come out, they said, what is that? I don't like it. <laughs> I, I I feel like there's that's, no such That's the appropriate theme. reaction to Maxie and Paler. Yes. I know. I, and it's appropriate. I said that's what they're it's going for. Reaction. <laughs> it's appropriate reaction to, to uh, Sue Young, but I tell you, there's no substitution for seeing Sue in person. Like, I... I love her work on impact i love being able to see her on on shows when i can stream them but like i just my my first real exposure to sue young was in person and it was great and uh yeah i just i hope that monica can have a have an open open mind and enjoy because i I do believe that she will she will come around to to um appreciating the talents of miss sue young 
So that's where we'll be. There will be an episode of Grit and Glitter dropping. I believe our teammate, Jackie Pratt, has an interview lined up on that front, a special Pride Month interview. And then phew, we continue our march toward Grit and Glitter, episode 200. We're, we're only a couple of weeks away. It's coming up, and uh, it should be a good one. should be a fun one. 200!